In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the reading from Matthew's Gospel today is an odd bit of scripture, isn't it? It's a particular passage is full of images, vivid images. So vivid that we almost can't help but imagine the scene of Jesus' conversation with the tempter. If we have really lively imaginations, we might even feel the heat of the desert, or might even see a strange being with a pointed tail and horns. But even without imagining the scene, it's an odd bit of scripture. Because as visual as it is, it's also very surreal. We can certainly imagine Jesus going into the wilderness to pray and contemplate. But what should we think about the devil tempting him to do magic, or taking him to the pinnacle of the temple, and then to a high mountain? Even angels come on the scene as they wait on Jesus. Matthew even tells us that it was the spirit that led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. It doesn't seem quite fair, does it? Whose side is the spirit on, anyway? Why even have this story in the Gospels? What does it have to do with us today? It's always helpful to look at where a passage comes in a particular Gospel. In this case, Jesus has just been baptized by John. And in Matthew's account, John says that he is the one who should be baptized by Jesus. But Jesus responds, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Right after today's passage, Jesus hears of John's arrest and seems to take up where John left off. Now we hear Jesus and not John saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus' ministry finally begins in earnest. But it's also helpful to consider the whole of Matthew's Gospel. We find a very creative writer who makes good use of images and symbols and story. It's part of Matthew's style of writing. So when we find an odd passage like this with images of demons and pinnacles and angels, we shouldn't necessarily be surprised. We also don't necessarily need to take everything literally. We don't really need to imagine Jesus picking up stones and turning them into bread. Matthew's Gospel is not a diary of facts and figures. It's all about Jesus's mission and Jesus's ministry. Who Jesus is and what Jesus teaches his followers about their ministry in the kingdom of God. So this passage begins to give us a glimpse into the person of Jesus. And remember, he's just been baptized, and so he's now seriously considering his ministry and taking some time apart to pray. Jesus understood that his baptism was a life-changing and life-forming event. And it was an event that would propel him into a world that would both celebrate his message and a world that would condemn him for it. By the way, baptism is kind of like that for all of us or it should be. Matthew uses the images of the temptations 
to help us understand that connection between Jesus and us. There's certainly many ways to consider how that connection works, and one way might be to think about the place, the desert, and what those temptations might say to us. The desert, for Jesus, was a real wilderness. If you've ever been to Israel, you can imagine how desolate and harsh it probably was. People died in the deserts, drained of life. As the godly play saying goes, people do not go into the desert unless they have to. It also seems like a huge understatement for Matthew to write that Jesus fasted for 40 days and nights, and afterwards he was famished. Famished? <laughs> he should be dead. <laughs> so we begin to see this place not just as a physical place, for certainly Jesus went into the desert to pray, but also as another kind of place deep within ourselves where we come face to face with God and with our humanness. Remember, we're not supposed to figure out how Jesus lasted for 40 days in the desert. We're supposed to come to a better understanding of his ministry and his mission in relation to the whole story of salvation. And that's where the temptations come in. Again, this isn't a story we're supposed to focus on what the devil might have looked like what it might have been like for Jesus to be put on the pinnacle of the temple. Didn't anyone see him up there? That's not the point of the message. It's about relationship. It's about connection. Matthew's point in describing the temptations was to connect Jesus to the ongoing story of salvation that was begun in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Bible. We see this connection in Jesus' replies to the devil's temptations. Jesus first quotes Deuteronomy. One does not live by bread alone. Jesus is identifying with humanity instead of relying on his divine power to change stones into bread. His ministry is to the people of God, and he accomplishes that by sharing in our humanness. In the other temptations, Jesus continues to model how we humans should behave. Again, Jesus quotes Deuteronomy when he points out that only God is worthy of humankind's worship. God alone is the sovereign Lord, and God expects humanity's service. This homage is actually not even the devil's to offer or to expect. We're reminded of the conversation between the devil and God in the book of Job. The devil tries to tempt God by assuming an equality that doesn't belong to him. And the last temptation shows Jesus' faithfulness, his discipleship. He again quotes Deuteronomy, pointing out that one shall not tempt the Lord. And this reminds the readers of Matthew's Gospel that a faithful Jew is faithful to God's commands. A faithful Jew knows that God is sovereign Lord and is worthy of homage and service. A faithful Jew keeps the commandments and model for living as written in the Torah. So this place, this desert, whether the physical place or that place deep within, where Jesus understood his connection to God and also to us, this is a holy place. We learn from it, we learn from examining this place in Jesus's life 
because we can connect it to that place in our own lives where we struggle with our relationship with God and with each other. We can be supported in that struggle by this account that we hear. It helps us put things in order. It helps us to remember that when we might be tempted to put something in our lives before faithfulness to God's law, we can remember that God is still God and that God is our help and our salvation. God resides in all the places of our lives and makes them holy. Thanks be to God.